0: As a pastor, I'm constantly concerned about how to create connections beyond just the weekend services. And one of the valuable tools that we have found for achieving this at our church is our app powered by SubSplash. It's one thing to have an app. It's another thing to have an app that has the ability to allow your community to access messages, resources, and even give. And SubSplash created that for us. It's become our go-to platform for connecting with our congregation in ways we never could have before. Subsplash is so much more than just a platform or even just an app it brings people together empowers giving and transforms lives If you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to visit their website at subsplash.com That's s-u-b-s-p-l-a-s-h dot com subsplash.com Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Join us each week as we work to make faith simple. This is Simple Faith. Hey, welcome to Simple Faith, whether this is your first time or your hundredth time. Thank you for joining us. My name is Rusty George. I get to pastor a church deep in the heart of Texas But I also get to do this podcast where I get to talk to great people around the world who are living out their faith in fun and creative ways, and today I get a chance to hear from Tim Lucas. Tim is the founder and lead pastor of Liquid Church, named one of America's 100 fastest growing churches by Outreach Magazine. He and his wife, Colleen, started Liquid on accident with a dozen 20-something friends meeting in the basement of a 150-year-old church. Since launching in 2007, Liquid Church has experienced rapid growth, expanding to seven campuses across New Jersey with a vision to saturate the state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think you're going to love what Tim has to say. He's an author. He's a pastor. He's an incredible speaker and teacher. He's got some great stuff for us when it comes to leadership and following Jesus. Listen, I want to thank Subsplash for once again sponsoring this podcast and all of their support of what we do. We're so grateful for the way they help churches uh, connect with their people, not just on the weekends, but all throughout the week. You got to check them out. Well, here's my conversation with Tim Lucas. Tim Lucas, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, For our listeners that don't know much about you, tell us about yourself.
1: Well, great to be with you, Rusty. Know that you've got some mega fans raving fans here on the east coast uh i serve as lead pastor of liquid church which is located in new jersey we have uh we're a multi-site church so we have seven campuses kind of ringing the outer uh suburbs of manhattan and uh our main campus is in parsippany that's north jersey and our most southern campus most recent is in princeton about uh four minutes from the gates of princeton university and uh, it's a joy, man. I, I, we love it, but we love, you know, keeping in touch and being inspired by, you know, bleeding at churches like real life. So a joy to be with you. So did you plant the church? Did you guys start it yourself? We did. But I just need to say this from the outset. God tricked us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often say we're the accidental church planters. Okay. You know, um, we had no plan on, uh, you know, we didn't even know what the term church planter was. Um, but my my um my wife Colleen and I, we met at Wheaton College in Chicago, oh, okay, in Illinois, and um she had grown up, it's a really interesting, we have very different backgrounds. So I grew up going to a small Bible church, about a hundred people, and I describe it as the frozen chosen, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Strong expository Bible preaching, but man, you know, no charismatic stuff, you know. Sinful people out there maybe could join our holy huddle once they meet Jesus, then you could join us. Right. Whereas my wife grew up in a a, a, a storefront Pentecostal church in the Bronx. Mm. Okay. So if I grew up frozen chosen, she grew up happy clappy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. She brought
1: me home on Thanksgiving break from college. And I'm like, this service is going on three and a half hours. And there doesn't seem to be an order of worship. And it was frozen chosen meets happy clappy. And God crossed our streams and produced liquid.
0: Wow. Okay, so I got to ask you a couple things. First of all, New Jersey. Uh, Why New Jersey? Uh, And what, for those of us that have never been to Jersey, all we know is Bon Jovi, uh, Garden State, King of Queens. Um, What do we need to know about New Jersey? Because it's often looked down upon by New York.
1: (laughs) Yes, but it is the promised land. Uh, and it was called that by our prophet, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the boss, of course. <laughs> right? But it is funny. Whenever I go to conferences and stuff, I'll be speaking to stuff and guys will come, Jersey, what good can come from Jersey? It's like the Nazareth death. Yeah. Know, this, you know, that they exactly. gave Jesus. But I was born and raised here and small town, right, right by Montclair, New Jersey. People might know that right outside Manhattan. So most of our people, um, many of them, probably 50% in our church, Make their living in New York City. Okay. Um, but New Jersey is called the Garden State. Yes. Rusty, it's not just Snooky and the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what ruined it for us, man. That show, Jersey Shore. Remember, you know, the Guidos at the shore and everything? That's that right. just ruined it. But, but it really is an amazing state. Um, there's extra, you know, extraordinary culture because of our proximity to New York. Um, my wife uh, worked, um, she's actually uh, in the media business, Okay, uh, owned a media transcript company in manhattan and so uh we moved to town called madison where we raise our kids uh wonderful education etc and something people don't know about new jersey again it's called the garden state right so people fly in they fly into newark and they're like oh look there's the oil refineries or something's on fire i don't know what that is uh there's railway state prison and that you know that's what they know and then the sopranos you know of course of course but it is a garden state so you go out about you know 35 minutes and all of a sudden you are in some beautiful beautiful green country i live on a lake actually okay in in northern new jersey and people are just like are you in colorado it's like no man it's jersey so <laughs> there's a whole hidden part of it but we love it because it's um it's kind of like uh, you know people this is a little bit why we're called liquid right people look at northeast and say oh man that's a very spiritually dry region okay And they're right. A lot of, you know, the history of the Northeast is that, oh, this is the burnt over region. This is where, you know, good churches go to die, you Mm -hmm. know? Right. But we're like, yeah, man, if you want to witness a resurrection, you want to plant it in a graveyard. And so we have seen some God do some incredible things. It is like, you know, obviously the great awakening kind of, um, you know, bubbled up here back in the day. Um, Whitfield preached in, you know, Basking Ridge, where we started back in 2001. Wow. And then we launched out as an independent church in 2007. We had enough money to last us three months. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we were a portable church for 10 years. So we just celebrated our, our 16th, um, birthday on Easter. Mm. And, uh, again, what we've seen God do, it is only explainable by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we, we've been blessed to baptize 3,000 people Wow! Um, in the last uh, 15 years, which is absolutely thrilling. About 5,000 in the church. So the majority of them are, are new believers, uh, mm. people coming to Christ. A lot of, uh, in the Northeast, a lot of what I would call post Catholic
0: people. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. So
1: they're not starting at zero on the angle scale of evangelism, they're like a negative four. They're kind of like, well, I know Jesus, but, yeah. you know, I've tried my good works and done all my religion stuff. And, and that's not working for me. Yeah. So it's like they're inoculated a little bit. So the great news is people are thirsty for grace. Right. When they hear about just the unconditional, it's not about works, it's about what Jesus did for you and you're accepted. Um, it's like, <gasps> <gasps> it's like living water for a thirsty soul. So that's where we came up with the name Liquid to name it Liquid Church.
0: Wow, that is great. I, I love that, that idea. And I was gonna ask you where the name came from, but it makes so much sense. So when you look at your church now, you have all these people that have kind of grown up in liquid church. Um, You know, what what tends to happen in churches (laughs) is they get saved there, they have a radical experience with Jesus, and then they want the church to change as they grow up in their faith to kind of, well, I I need something a little deeper. I need something a little more. And slowly we, as uh, Larry Osborne says, we accidentally become Pharisees. Mm. So... You know, I've noticed this here, here at Real Life because our demographics are, are fairly similar to yours, and I see people that have been reached by the church and then suddenly want us to become something different as they've matured in their faith. How have you kept your focus on unchurched people, broken people, lost people, while developing mm. those that are coming to Christ?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of churches struggle with that, right? Are we going to be a, mm-hmm. a deep church that goes deep in discipleship, or are we going to be wide? And therefore, we need to kind of water it down, you know. And that's often a criticism, you know. I let's put it this way: people looking inside Liquid Church, like, oh, I get it. They water it down there, you know. (laughs) But but the truth is, we really believe it's like the song: "You can be deep and wide." Right. So I don't think it's a problem to solve. I think it's a a attention to manage. Yeah. And the job of the lead pastor is to kind of. It's almost like imagine, you know. A, a stove, a range, and you're the chef, and it's like you go putting some, some things on front burner during the season, some seasons, and then you got to move to the back burner and turn up the temperature on on evangelism over here, and going back and forth. But kind of what we do, Russ here, what's been helpful to us is we are absolutely defined as an externally focused church. We are all about. We exist for people who aren't here yet. Okay. It's those outside the church walls who are lost and perishing, thirsty, dying, broken. We are all about reaching them. But when they get in here, we want to create really emotionally healthy disciples. And so Pete Scazzaro has really been a a mentor to me um, over the years in terms of recognizing, man, you could get people, you know, whatever your discipleship paradigm is, you know, running bases, doing a growth track, doing small groups, you know, the, the stuff we all know. (laughs) <laughs> but we can produce a whole bumper crop of next-generation Pharisees. Right. Right? Exactly. And so we're kind of like, it's not about more content, more head knowledge. It actually is a little bit more about that interior journey of the heart. And so we started instituting um, right right around the time of um, COVID, mm. uh, actually, uh, the emotionally healthy discipleship paradigm, which kind of leads people through that emotionally healthy spirituality which is saying like, hey, man, do we actually make room for Sabbath and silence and the rhythms of the contemplative life? Because if we're just an activist church, who are we reaching? Who are we reaching? People eventually burn out. Right. Right. And they get cynical or they feel used mm. um, or they just lose interest because it's all action. Whereas, let's put it this way, the church I grew up in. Was so inwardly focused. It's all about, you know, just deeper Bible study and more. And it's like our heads were growing so lop we're like, you know, we're like the mastermind. It's like the lopsided head. And we literally could care less. We just had no heart, no vision for those who are outside our doors. And so it was really at my wife's church when I visited again, yeah. uh happy clappy Pentecostal uh pastor gave kind of a i'll be honest you know i was like i was a crouching tiger hidden pharisee you know <laughs> from, from my frozen chosen days he gave you know a message sort of rambling not necessarily homiletically correct and then he gives an altar call and i'm like oh who's going to come to christ in this well 12 different people did who eight of which had walked in off of the street it was a storefront church wow and i was like wait what and they're giving their lives to christ one guy's confessing his addiction now, people are coming out of the pews uh, surrounding them, actually praying for and on him. And then they said, we're going to have a spontaneous baptism service. Wow. And I said, th- I think this is against the rules, isn't it? But it's thrilling. This idea that anybody can have a life change experience with Christ at any given moment. I'd never seen anything like that. Wow. And so I think I think that's one of the reasons God brought my wife Colleen and I together, because he took our two backgrounds. You know, we right. have a very high view of scripture. Uh, if you ask people what's one of the you know primary engines of our church, it's it's practical Bible teaching. Right. We want people to know the Word. We want to know them to know the Jesus of the Word. But if that doesn't compel you to get off your blessed assurance and get out there and reach people, what are we doing? So it's kind of like we have to have that tension, and, and, and one stimulates the other.
0: That's so good. You're giving me a lot of good lines, too. I'm writing down blessed assurance. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I know that with your church, you guys do a lot of stuff. Uh, to just benefit your state and your community, you know, what are some strategic things that you have done to make people glad that you're there?
1: Yeah, so one of the I would say um, Holy Spirit inspired strategies—I wouldn't even call it a strategy. It wasn't certainly wasn't part of our strategic plan, or we didn't read a book and get inspired. Yeah, is we have an incredible ministry to kids and families with special needs. Oh, okay, and. I talk about this a little bit in the book, Liquid Church, because it is one of the currents. You know, we say, hey, what are these currents that the Holy Spirit uses to saturate your city for Christ? And for us, you know, people, churches sometimes will pick different causes to be invest in. But sometimes I think some of the best ones are when the cause chooses you. Yeah. And New Jersey, a lot of people don't know this, has the highest rate of autism in the nation. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, now, why is that? Is it that, you know, <laughs> is it there, you know, pharmaceutical industry there, you know? Is it, uh, you know, the, the nature or nurture, what is it? And the reality is uh, New Jersey has some of the most robust social services, educational supports for kids with special needs. So autism, Asperger's, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral palsy, you name it, we got it. Wow. And a lot of times churches aren't equipped to handle those special needs, you know, within the church or worse, they treat children, you know, we have one kid, uh, wonderful, one of my very favorites, uh, Grady, who has Down syndrome. He has also uh, ADHD and verbal apraxia, so he can't even talk. But when a kid like that is doing, you know, laps around the middle school room, a lot of times, you know, the church is like, hey, mom and dad, we can't handle this. Well, we just said, you know what, we want to have a VIP seat at the table yeah. because we're all about the least less lost. And so I preached this message on um, King David making room at the table for Mephibosheth. Yeah. Remember him, yeah. right? The grandson of Saul. And he's, he's clubbed in both feet. And he says, you know, I'm, what do you want with me? I'm just a dead dog. And he says, you'll always have a seat at the king's table. And he said, man, that's the heart that God has for special needs. Wow. And so when you come to our church, if you came to the doors of Liquid Church this Sunday, you might be a little surprised. We don't have a special needs ministry that's happening in the back of the room. You're going to be greeted on our hospitality team by adults with special needs. Mm. You're going to go into our cafe, which we just opened last year, called the Clean Water Cafe. Mm. And all of the baristas, all of the waitstaff and servants are adults with special needs. Um, you name it, we've got it all along the spectrum. And uh, we just said, you know what, this is one of the ways we show what the kingdom is like right? Mm. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we put those with extraordinary gifts. Um, it's a blessing to our, our church. So what started very small, I guess, is, you know, you asked, you know, what is it that's really um, penetrating the culture around us is that no strings attached compassion. Mm. When you serve people who are in the margins that everyone else is ignoring and actually champion them and put your money and your manpower behind it, it's not easy. Mm. Special needs mystery isn't easy. Um, But it's something that people are like the most cynical atheist, who's like, I don't believe any of this about Jesus. But yeah, you know, blessing the special needs community isn't a if it's not a God thing, it's at least a good thing. And I say, I'll meet you there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, And I love the fact that you figured out that that was such a huge issue in your community, and then you kind of met them there. Have there been things over the last sixteen years that you thought, hey, let's go after this and uh, it wasn't a need in your community, and then you had to dial it back? And how, how did you, you know, were there some some trial and errors along the way that you thought, I thought this would help our community, and it didn't?
1: Oh, yeah. We've had plenty of, of, of swings and misses, foul balls, uh, particularly with outreach. Uh, when we launched out again, we were, um, liquid was incubated within a 150-year-old Baptist church. Hmm. So okay. people visit today, they say, wait, what? What are your roots? But it was actually the perfect incubation my wife and I, um after we moved back from Wheaton uh, Illinois we began attending a little church plant called Redeemer Presbyterian Church oh, in wow. New York City oh yeah and uh it was only a few hundred people at a time this preacher named Tim Keller who spoke like a professor and that was really we caught this this model for ministry where it's like man you know Tim used to preach with the Bible in one hand but the New York Times mm-hmm. in the other and just so culturally engaged but then during the week my wife would serve um, with um, women who were incarcerated, um, and she loved you know prison ministry. And so we said, you know, our church—it's not so much about you know picking from a menu of like, oh, you know how should we? its really going out. And so our campus pastors, Rusty, they go out and talk to the mayor of the town where their campus is every year. They have an appointment, and they say, "What is one need that you have on your list mm. that you don't have the budget for or the manpower for?" that you know would bless the socks off an underserved group. And so they often tell us what our outreach is going to be. So we had the mayor one time say the Senior Citizen Center. It's a totally dilapidated. It's from the 70s. Maybe got shag carpeting in the 80s. Yeah, But we can't afford it. My budget's strapped. We're, we're over. And so we'll cast that vision. We have a chance to serve our seniors. And then we'll descend on it with 400 volunteers and do a full-on, you know, you know, down to the studs kind of reno, and we pay for it, and we say, this is the gift of Liquid Church to the community. And so that's one of the things we encourage our pastors. We're like, don't don't try to guess or don't try to prescribe what the best outreach is. Actually go and ask, because Mm. people will tell you.
0: That's awesome. You mentioned campus pastors. I I just got to ask this, because so many churches right now are trying to, they're doing this dance of, do we launch campuses? Do we go multi-site? Was that a thing that was just pre-COVID and now because of online, nobody cares? You have some thriving campuses. What? How do you balance that of leadership? How much autonomy do they have? Are they video teaching? Mm. You know, What's on them? What's on you? How have you kind of worked that out? Hey, let me interrupt for just a second. If you're a church leader and your church does not have an app or your app seems to be a little bit limited, check out subsplash.com as a great resource to really give your app all the horsepower that it needs. You can connect people, you can help them get access to messages, and you can help them set up recurring giving, which is a game changer when it comes to resourcing your ministry. Subsplash.com. Okay, back to our episode.
1: Yeah, so again, and this isn't right or wrong, this would just be more descriptive of what God's given us to do at Liquid. But we have a main broadcast hub, right? Where obviously there's recorded the Sunday message, and that's beamed out to our, uh, you know, six other locations. But of course, everything else is live. Uh, everything from kids to worship to you know, what a typical multi-site model. Um, I've got some other friends like Brian McMillan on Long Island who has his campus pastors preach live. Yeah. phenomenal uh, ministry. And so there's not a not a right or wrong. It's just just different. But for us, what we found is. It, there's a power in having central um, vision mm-hmm. that is kind of like, we again, we have a little bit more of the franchise model where we want okay. people to go in and say, no, if it's going to be a liquid experience, it's going to have this level of dynamic worship, super practical Bible teaching. I can bring an unchurched friend to any campus yeah. and they're going to understand it because we're not using churchy language where it's relevant. But at the same time, we give the campuses autonomy To speak the heart language of their community. Okay. So, I'll give an example of that. Sure. Our um, Essex County campus um, at one point was trending almost 60% Spanish. And so they said, Is it all right if we do some choruses in Spanish? Because that will just mean so much culturally. Right. We said, Yeah, okay, I guess give it a shot. Well, not only was it like gangbusters, it meant the world to our Latino community. But the other campuses said, can we do that too? Because they started learning from it. So we want them to innovate, to cross pollinate, then share best practices, but they still have this, this hub this of, of things that we know, we want to make liquid, liquid. So there's a tension to it. We find our best campus pastors are, it's kind of a leadership paradox. <laughs> They're great team players. They love the support of a larger church, but then they also have this entrepreneurial spirit. Right. Um, another paradox, they have to be great communicators because they're hosting from the stage for, I don't know, five, seven minutes. Mm -hmm. But they don't, if they have an itch to preach, that's not going to be scratched in our system. Again, not right or wrong, just different. And so we try to be really clear of what style of leader that we're looking for there. And typically, uh, you know, use the prophet, priest, king, typically it's a kingly priest oh okay someone who really organizes well cares for people through systems yeah but then priestly is really good with people one-on-one
0: that's really good uh do most of your campus pastors come from within
1: yeah almost all of our campus pastors come from within i think right now six out of seven were internal and that's something else that i might be unique that might be helpful to some of your you know your audience because i know we have you know lead pastors church planners on this um one thing that took the lid off of our growth because we said well this is great to launch all campuses but we can't keep hiring staff like right <laughs> hello Northeast mystery I'm sure like California yeah super expensive right we're we jockey for one and two like most expensive places to live in the nation right and we're like we can't scale we can't keep reproducing leaders but we also can't keep hiring them and so our executive pastor Dave Brooks who was a um he was a CFO of a, of a, of a uh, global gas company. And he said, man, my marketplace skills can be used here in ministry. And my gosh, he has been a, hmm. Dave has been a gift. He really helped found the church uh, with myself and Colleen. Um, hmm. And he's helped scale a lot of our systems, our budgeting, et cetera. But Dave said, you know, there's a lot of guys like me who have marketplace experience, hmm. but they can't imagine could it could ever be used in church. All they know is, why well, I didn't go to seminary. Yeah, And so he came up with a new class of staff, which you're going to love. We call them volunteer staff, which simply means they're on staff. They've got an email. They cut, we just came out of staff meeting just literally 30 minutes ago. They're at our staff meeting. Uh, they're invited to every meeting. They're the first to know. They're in the loop communication-wise. We treat them like normal staff only. They're usually fully employed in the marketplace. They may work 60, 70 hours. In fact, as a, I think of Elizabeth Chang. She's a, she's a corporate lawyer in Manhattan, like just incredible, legal shark. Wow. But she gives us 10 to 12 hours every week of volunteer high-caliber leadership capacity. She volunteers it. Mm. And she serves as an associate pastor. So she'll perform weddings, do marriage mentoring. Uh, She'll pray with people at the altar after a message. She'll lead a small group with her husband, David. She's given us 10 to 12 hours of high-capacity leadership um, uh, ability but not paid. Yeah. And so when we opened that up that volunteer staff two things happened, Rusty. One, we increased our staff by about 25-30% but did not increase our cost by 25-30%. And it also created the pipeline for now our full-time staff members like campus pastors. They almost all came from the marketplace. Only two of them went to seminary.
0: This is gold, and I'm taking notes as you talk, and I'll listen to this podcast again and again. And everybody listening right now should probably pull the car over and write some of this stuff down. This is fantastic. Okay, so I want to ask you about this. You, your church has been listed as one of the fastest-growing churches several times. Um, have you noticed any differences as to what reached people or what caused growth pre-COVID versus post-COVID? And you know that little blip in our lives yeah. uh, has lasted a little longer than we expected. But church is different now. So, what have you noticed about about people and about church and about leadership uh, post COVID versus pre COVID?
1: Well, I'm sure every pastor can relate to this. You know, the people who were coming every week. Now come every other week. Right. <laughs> Just that, that's normal for them. The people who were coming every other week are now once a month. Right. Right. <laughs> and those once a monthers, bye bye. Yeah. They're online, you know, if at all. And so that is a massive challenge to our volunteer systems. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone signed up to be with, you know, mentor middle school kid for, you know, two years, um, what do you do now? They're only coming once a month, you know. So massive challenges there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're, I'm very bullish. On what you know, I think is going to be uh, just a, a normal um, department of most churches in the next five years, and that is digital discipleship.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I, you know, once everybody, it, it was really funny. We we've always had a church online. When once we launched our second campus, we also launched church online at the same time. So we were early adopters. That was two thousand and eight. But I'll be honest, we treated church online like a redheaded stepchild. Sure, like ah, uh, it sort of counts, but it doesn't really, you know, get the priority. And um, what's I, I don't know if you, I, I'd love to hear your experience, Rusty, but what I, I in my own head I was like, well, there's the people who are really part of our church who come on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then there's Plan B, like if you're sick or you're traveling or you know you might listen, you know, church online. Well, now we are finding people are now moving back and forth fluidly between the two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're in person. They're online. They're online. They're online. They're in person. They're online. They're in person it just goes back and forth and so for me what's changed is we're no longer seeing liquid's main ministry as hey this block of 6 hours on sunday we're like how do we get in people's pockets monday through friday right and leave a trail of digital breadcrumbs so for instance now our our messages isn't it humbling you know you put a message on youtube and you think oh this thing's lights out and you're like it got 17 views. <laughs> yeah, and half were by my mother. <laughs> right? It, because nobody's watching. Come on. 40 minutes, right. you know, mess didactic message on YouTube. But what we do now is like, okay, what is the 32nd reel we can provide? Yeah. That actually might stop someone's scroll and if they're interested enough, they'd actually click and watch the 2 minute sp- sermon highlights mm. if they're interested enough watch the 10 minute summary if they're really interested enough here's the full sermon if they're really interested here's the you know sermon series they may do that before they even go to our website which is the front door to our church right exactly so we're looking at you know i think you know seth Godin would call it a marketing funnel i call it the trail of digital breadcrumbs and so we're thinking a lot differently now about how we distribute our content And are experimenting with other things that, again, we just never would have done pre-COVID.
0: Have you read uh, Hybrid Church? Oh, yeah. By James Emery White? Oh, yes. That was such a gift. Uh, Yeah. He's obviously a very smart guy, but there was just kind of like a playbook in there for a lot of this of what you're talking about and just really good stuff.
1: I don't think it'll even be called hybrid. I think that word will just go away. Right. It will just be the. It's the way the marketplace is doing business. Exactly. Now, right? Exactly. Like I can't. I can't even tell you the last. I, I will still go to a mall or to a store, but it's few and far between. Amazon is mainly my main touch point. Exactly. And um, it just goes back and forth. But if I get some from Amazon, it doesn't fit. I take it over to Kohl's and they return it for me. Like.
0: Right. <laughs> Without a box, sometimes it's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so you've been. At this church now, you planted it. Sixteen years. It's been amazing. But for our church planters out there, if you had to do it again, obviously it's a different time than it was back then. But what yeah. do you wish you'd, you'd known? What's what's the older you would have said to the younger you? Mm. What's the pep talk or what's the don't ever do this or yeah. learn this the hard way kind of moments that you would share with us?
1: Yeah, I think you know if I could speak to the you know twenty-seven-year-old me. Um, it would be to say, hey, if you're called to this, you're running a marathon, yeah. not a sprint. Yeah. And what I mean by that is in my 20s, I, I just had this urgency and there was like this burning platform and we got to reach, we got to reach, we got to reach. And because of that, my leadership style was so lopsided. I'm by nature an activist, if you can't tell. <laughs> I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's get out there and do something great for Jesus together, right? Let's do it. And that's still in me. That's 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 a, a gift God gave me, an Enneagram three, all of that. But I didn't slow down enough to take the time to develop those Sabbath rhythms that would help harness and contain the shadow side of that drivenness. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? Um, you know, when we launched the church, and hey, church planners are listening, it's thrilling, it's exciting, right? When you know. You pray, you work, you plant, you water, and then you have that first Sunday and you're like, is anybody gonna show up? When we um, we had 300 people when we launched the church and when we did our first services as an independent church launching out, we literally were like, will people show up? Right. Something worse happened than nobody showing up. A thousand people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and it was thrilling, it was heady, all these people. But I started playing leadership deception with myself. Mm. I was running seven days a week out five to six nights a week. And it was all, you know, for Jesus, you know, doing great stuff. Well, we got to get small groups off the ground. No, we've got to do our first, uh, you know, Easter. We got our first Easter celebration. Oh, no, no, our first outreach. Wait, wait until Christmas. And my wife, Colleen, we had two children under the age of five. Wow. And she's like, I know, we just gave birth to this baby, the church. But I do need you at home more. And she's a super high capacity woman. But I... I just sped past those red lights on my dashboard yeah. because I was just so excited. I was consumed with the work and all I had to learn. Mm-hmm. And um, a reckoning came for me, Rusty. Um, and I, I thank God for it now. Um, I tell people I had the early, the gift of early burnout. Mm. Um, again, it was in the first 18 months of the church. And again, our, both our children were under the age of five. My wife was like, I need you home. And when I would be home, I still wasn't home. Like I'm at dinner, but I'm looking at my text because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to set up like, oh, how do we do, you know, spiritual care and counseling for people now because broken people are coming. And there was always just another excuse I had in my head. But I didn't even see it. Like I wasn't trying to see. I just was driven. And so I came home one – I'll never forget that. I came home one night. uh, You know, I told my wife to be home at 5. I pull in around 6.30. uh, And that was normal. We've all played that game. And she was sitting on the couch crying. She actually had mascara coming down her, her cheeks. And, and I, thought, I thought something happened to one of our kids because she's not dramatic. She doesn't cry like that. And I ran over. I said, honey, what, what is it? What is it? And she said, I can't. She couldn't even get the words out. And I said, it's okay, honey. Tell me whatever it is. And she said, I feel like you love her more than me. Mm-hmm. I love her more than you? Who, who are you? who are you talking about? I literally didn't know what she was talking about. I thought, like, is she accusing me of an affair? And she said, "That church, that stupid church." Mm. And Rusty, I was like, a, it was like a knife to the heart. Yeah. You know, somewhere in the distance, I heard like a rooster crow. Because <laughs> I swore I'd never be that guy who sacrifices his marriage and family on the altar of ministry, but here I was. Right. I, I, I had sinned. I had literally made ministry my mistress. Mm. It was full-time all-in and I had no balance and the gift of that it was a dark gift because you know I would say instantly repented I'm so sorry honey I, I did not even see it but it was that kind of repentance like God, take action and so we did counseling and we took a machete to my schedule and we said you know what I'm gonna be out one night a week I'm not gonna do any outside speaking until my kids are in college and so that was really a moratorium for the last decade by the way both my kids now are in college and it's a joy because my wife is like hey do you want to do some of those outside events you know because i know you have that gift and you want to share with other congregations but it was a joyful yes now yeah because we committed together 10 years ago Say, you know what this is not the season that was a a dark um gift a severe mercy but I, i think he god gave that to us because. You know, here we are, our children are, you know, in college, they're out of our home. The church is humming along, not without struggles, there's ups and downs, but my wife and I are best friends. Mm. We're more in love than ever. We will celebrate our 25th anniversary next month. Mm. And my kids grew up knowing they got the prime cut. Yeah, They didn't get the leftovers. They got the first fruits of dad. And I think if God had not kind of given me that limp Mm. in those first 18 months as a church planter, I... I just shudder a little bit because I'm like, man, even with the best of intentions, Mm -hmm. you can be convinced you're doing this all for God, but not realizing you're causing wreckage among your family, your kids, your staff, your marriage.
0: Right. That's so good. You mentioned Pete Scazzaro. Uh, He talks about this so much in The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Emotionally Healthy Church, when did he come into your life when did his writings or maybe even a friendship with him develop mm-hmm. because what I'm hearing you say has a lot to do with what he says in protecting a lot of guys from that kind of burnout
1: yeah Pete really just gave language to what I think so many people have been experiencing mm-hmm. and so it's actually interesting again I feel like God brings different mentors into your life at different times and and I've been blessed to have so many you know wonderful ministry coaches like Larry Osborne and mm-hmm. uh, you know for for church systems and growth and things but Uh, Pete was really providential in learning how to care for my own soul. You know, I think most pastors, we are actually more comfortable caring for other people. Right. Right. That's why we're, we're in this profession. And he really challenged me because he's a, and I can really hear it because he's a guy who's from Queens, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he's like fast paced, you know, you know, just say it as it is kind of guy and Italian and, you know, super East coast. And he was like hey tim what profit a man you know to gain the world to win win the world and totally you know lose his own soul and do damage and um that goes back now about seven years hmm. and so i went to a um eh conference uh, at uh, new life which now of course is led by rich velotis yep. uh became friends with rich had him come here speak at liquid a few times and um we just kind of struck up a friendship it was interesting because Pete invited me into a cohort, but I said, no, I was too busy. <laughs> <laughs> There's that rooster crowing in the distance again. Exactly. <laughs> but he was very gracious about it. And he circled back and asked again. And at that time, um, and again, that goes back right before COVID. Mm. Um, I was like, you know what? We have, again, what do you think of like the life of a church? Church planners you're like, I'm just in the survival stage, right? 18 months, two years. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, we've survived. Now can we make this sustainable? Mm -hmm. Like we can keep going on. We have, we're maturing. But then you have leaders who say like, now how do we scale this? Mm -hmm. Right? So survival to sustainable to scalable. Well, scalable is a whole new thing. And um, to do that requires a tremendous amount of bandwidth. And I don't think I was quite ready yet at that time. That stuff interested me more because it was in my wheelhouse, whereas the interior care of my soul, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, God you know, uses our circumstances, whether it's staff conflict, yeah. um, you know, marriage issues, a child with special needs. Don't say, man, if I don't tend to this, all this stuff can be going great out here, but at the end of the day, it's very, very hollow. And so um, that's really where we leaned in with him. And so we just finished our, uh, our last cohort, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. So there's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and then EHR Relationships um, with Pete. And he's just been a wonderful, wonderful mm. um, mentor to me.
0: That's awesome. Well, listen, you have been a mentor to a lot of people today. So thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing at Liquid Church and for doing it well and being a man of integrity. And I'm really grateful for your time today. I know we had not met before today and we connected uh, via a mutual acquaintance and uh, I'm just really honored you said yes. So thank you so much for your time and and blessing us with your, your words today.
1: Rusty, it's a joy to be with you. Know that you've got raving fans of Leading Simple and Real Life Church. I do hope I get to visit you out in sunny California. We would love that. Love to have you out here. We'll bring you out in February. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. (laughs) And then you can come out in July. We'll get some Italian go to a Yankee game. Oh, my
0: goodness. That would be fantastic. (laughs) As long as I can cheer against the Yankees.
1: Oh, no. Tell me, are you a Mike Trout fan?
0: No, I actually grew up in Kansas, so I'm cursed with being a Royals fan, and the wow. Yankees have been the scourge on our franchise. Well, everybody is right now. so Oh,
1: uh, anyway. that, that's all right. We, we have great respect for George Brett and the uh, Pine Titans.
0: Hey, well, there you go. That's right. Bruce <laughs> Gossage and Billy Martin. Great days. Thank you, my friend.
1: Great to be with you, Rusty. Love you guys.
0: Well, Tim, thank you so much for that. It was so great to hear from you and such great content. So blessed by him. And if you want to know more about him, you can check out their website from Liquid Church. Obviously, SubSplash, we're going to invite you to check that out as well. And next week, we'll be back with brand new content. Can't wait for you to hear that. Uh, So join us in, share this with a friend, and as always, keep it simple.